0: Hello, welcome to Encounter. Encounter is the show that brings you the life-changing encounters of ordinary people that launch them into lives of extraordinary mission. My name is Patrick Rice, and I'm joined in studio with my good friend and brother in Christ, Dan Demite. Hey, Patrick, good to be here. So good. And Dan, we are uh, a co-production of EWTN Radio, St. Gabriel Catholic Radio, and we're carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. I'm really excited because we have I think a giant in evan- Catholic evangelization Deacon Ralph Poyo president and founder of New Evangelization Ministries sharing his testimony talking about what God is doing but Dan before we do anything can you lead us in prayer
1: Yeah in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit Amen, Amen. good gracious God we just we are so thankful for you we're so thankful for the love that you've poured out into our hearts and we just pray that you would continue Uh, to birth in the church a new evangelization, a new Pentecost, Lord, that we would experience an ongoing outpouring of the Holy Spirit, that you would always, as you (laughs) said, as you say in Scripture, that you make all things new, Lord, that you would make uh, all things new in our spiritual lives, all things new in our ministry day after day, that that we would not become complacent, that we would not become stale, but that you would constantly refresh in us, Lord, that you would refresh our, our spirit, our minds, our prayer lives. I just pray for a total refreshment to fall upon all of our listeners right now, Lord. Come Holy Spirit.
0: And Father, I ask you that uh, all of our listeners that have not actually encountered the love of God in a personal way— that that love that uh, a father has for his children that a love that knows that you're accepted you are valued and that you are so important in the kingdom of god that that would that would actually just there be breakthrough during this time so lord i thank you that that's your desire your greatest desire is to 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 know and to be known by your children and we just pray these things in jesus mighty name
1: amen
0: amen in the name of the son the holy spirit amen oh yeah father son holy spirit can't forget the trinity dan my dad
1: Mm. (laughs) um so dan uh i haven't seen you in a while i know man this is exciting i am excited to hear deacon ralph's uh when the first time you heard him speak um i don't know if i can give you the answer to that question (laughs) i heard him
0: speak when i was a junior in high school franciscan university youth conference rocked my world so good why did it rock your world patrick because, like, uh, I, I think, um, to, just to, it's kind of like this. The, the, there's this sense of awe and, like, the the fear of the Lord really is not. I'm I'm scared of God, you know, um, and I want to serve Him like a slave serves a master. Uh, the fear of the Lord is is being like overwhelmed with the awe and wonder, the greatness of God, and it's just being under that. And It was one of the first times that I remember hearing someone speak about the greatness of God, and then that. The way he spoke about God released this like great deep awe within me that I I had not encountered before growing up in a normal Catholic parish and going to uh, normal Catholic schools where, as Father Robert Barron talks about how we've domesticated Jesus in so many ways. Mm. Uh, for for me, uh, Deacon Ralph Poyo. Um, he undomesticated, undomesticated Jesus for me as a, a high school youth. Um, you know, At <laughs> high, high
1: schooler. That's amazing. Um, well, and I think what you're suggesting yeah. is is also just a profound spiritual truth that sometimes we forget about as disciples is that we can actually release an anointing upon a crowd. Right. So if I am able to, um, if I understand the power, the wonder, and the awe of of who God is, it when I when I present that, I can actually allow that wonder and all which is a gift of the holy spirit to fall upon the the audience right and and i think that's important for us as ministers when we go to evangelize we need to know that hey i can give what i carry and if i don't carry it i can't give it and so just that ability that to when when i want a message to go to someone or when i'm ministering to someone that i'm actually praying that the holy spirit would do that would give others what i've experienced yeah that's power Exactly, power, power. So, hey, this is this is what's really powerful. I, I think what Deacon Ralph is excellent at is helping um, just go back to the basic charisma of you know that the, we are called to have a to know who God the Father is, to know who Jesus Christ is, and and to have a, re, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And you know, Patrick, it's possible to to be in a um, It's possible to to be in the church and to to go to Mass Sunday after Sunday. It's possible to pray devotions like the rosary day after day. It's possible uh, to live the exterior life of a Catholic and yet not have ever encountered Jesus Christ. And I think what's so important for us uh, is that when we evangelize, we don't just assume that because someone is going to Mass week after week or because someone is living – the, the motions of a Catholic that they've encountered Jesus. And that's what Deacon Ralph is doing. He's just bringing it back to the basics. Like, are you a disciple of Jesus Christ? Like, do you know him and do you follow him?
0: Yeah, and then another thing too, like in Romans 16, you know, um, St. Paul says, you know, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power. It's the power of God, you know, for salvation. Like, you, you can't be ashamed in the same way of your testimony of how God has broken into your life. And I'm, I just love he, he has that. So listeners, as we're like gearing up um, for to hear him, I, I feel like if, if you want to cultivate that, that attitude of like just being unashamed for the gospel, unashamed of your testimony, um, this is, you're going to learn a lot from, from the way that he, that he, he preaches and that he shares. Um, it's just contagious for me, Dan.
1: So, Patrick when a when a rabbi in Jesus's time would have uh, invited someone to follow him he would have said uh, come follow me. Do you know what the response the typical response in that time was? No. They, they would say let your dust be upon me. And Oh, um, that's good. And I just love that because it's like I hunger so uh, I I want to follow you so closely that your dust would fall upon me that your lifestyle would fall upon me. And um and I think that's the part of discipleship that we often um that we may—it's not a conformity just to uh, a role um, or a, a moral scheme. It's actually a lifestyle that a, a that a rabbi would teach. And when we become a disciple of Jesus Christ, we're saying, "Hey, I want to imitate your lifestyle, everything about you. <laughs> you know, like I want to live like you live." And and I think that's the power of discipleship-based ministry—is that we're when we when we're evangelizing, when we're teaching people how to be a disciple of Jesus. We want to teach him how to live like Jesus lived, to do the works that Jesus did, and greater works than these, and to to imitate his not just his his, his words, but his lifestyle. Like, And, and what that's was right. the lifestyle of Jesus? It was supernatural, Dan. And it was a supernatural lifestyle. Mm-hmm. You know, and that, that that's what we're actually walking into when we say that we're going to be a disciple. I know. It's so good. So um,
0: I, I want to take a break, and then I want to bring um, Deacon Ralph on the show. Does that sound good, D? Sounds good. All right, you're listening to Encounter. Encounter is a co-production of St. Gabriel Radio, EWTN Radio, and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. We're taking a quick break, but we're going to have Deacon Ralph Poyo on the flip side. Stay tuned. My name is Father Matthias Thalen, and I want to invite you to the Encounter Conference January 3rd through 5th, 2019, at the Seagate Center in Toledo, Ohio. This conference is going to be a time of spiritual refreshment, encouragement, empowerment and impartation for more of the Holy Spirit for the sake of evangelization. And we're inviting evangelization leaders from all over the country. Not only that, it's our conviction that God wants to raise up families that are familiar with the supernatural that can actually do the things that Jesus did. And so we're going to have a teen track. We're going to have a kids track so that they too can do what Jesus did. To learn more about this conference and to register, please visit Encounter2019.com. Encounter2019.com. Hope to see you there. Lauren Ashburn.
1: I've always been pro-life, but have never been able to talk about it in the news. And now, not only do I share it internally, but I share it with a global audience.
0: The leading Catholic voices are on EWTN Radio. Hello and welcome back to Encounter, the show that brings you the life-changing encounters of ordinary people that launch them into lives of extraordinary mission. Dan, we are excited to welcome on the show Deacon Ralph Poyo from New Evangelization Ministries. Welcome, Deacon. Welcome, Deacon. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, Deacon Ralph. I want to get. We we only have like thirty-five minutes right now on this slot, so I want to hear um, how. First of all, how did you come to know Jesus Christ and become His disciple?
2: Wow. Well, I was uh, your traditional cradle Catholic, born to a Hispanic family where um, faith was moderately important in terms of identity, you know, more of an inherited faith. And, uh, but I was Colombian, born in Colombia and moved to the States when I was a young kid, about two and a half years old. And of course, being Colombian, the big thing in our family was was playing soccer. So I was the youngest of four boys growing up in that atmosphere where my older brothers were playing soccer, and church was something we just had to get through so that we could go back out and and do what we really wanted to do, which is play soccer. So I uh, competed against them a lot. I... Was obviously getting slaughtered because they were my older brothers and had no charity on me. <laughs> but what that enabled me to do is to improve in my skills and abilities to play the game. As I got older, finally went through my uh, entrance sacraments. Which maybe when I was younger, around first communion time, that was that that was important part of my life. Um, but as I got older, it got. Uh, drawn away, I guess, and really focused more on soccer and all the rest of that crazy stuff, got my confirmation. I was one of those, I was one of those examples of um, kids who get confirmed and then leave the Church. My parents stopped mm-hmm. fighting, um, you know, in terms of me uh, going to Mass and stuff like that. They, they just, it just became less and less of a priority. I guess my mom, having fought four boys, trying to get them through the sacraments, felt like she was done and uh, so she just you know basically quit and i certainly <laughs> enjoyed the freedom so i began to pursue my false gods which was soccer and i got very competitive uh at a young age so by the age of 15 i had an opportunity to try out for the u.s national team for the united states and made it for the u16 squad wow um, and uh And at the end of the trials, the coach basically said, look, you know, we've got four teams, right, because you had to go through your state team first, then your you're one of four regions of the United States, and those teams would get together and compete for the top 18 slots. And he said, you're going to come to my office, you're going to sit down, I'm going to tell you you're one of the top 18 players, or thank you very much for trying, you did make. Wow. And and so I didn't have – so anyway, at the end of the workout, I – um, and the week I went over and sat down and got in line, kind of like a confessional line. And the coach says, Come on in. And, and, uh, he said, Ah, Mr. Pollo, congratulations. We're so, you're one of the top 18 players in the country. And, uh, wow. at that point I was, of course, stunned and excited and all the rest of that. But he then he went on and said, However, uh, you notice there's an older squad here. And I'm like, Yeah. And he says, Well, we had budget cuts, call on Wednesday and there's budget cuts. So you have now effectively made a team that no longer exists. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, no.
2: So, uh, that of course sent me in a tailspin and, uh, for the next month and a half I was living in South Florida at that point. So at the height of the cocaine Cowboys. So drugs was huge when I was a kid, although I wasn't participating because of soccer. So now I began to get myself quickly. Well, started to dabble in, in that a little bit, um, and, uh, and then I started dating this girl in high school, and uh, she was a good Catholic girl, tried to get me to go back to Mass. I said no, so she got me involved in a parachurch organization called Youth for Christ, and, uh, I volunteered to, to be a monster in this monster haunted house that they had back then in those days. It was a fundraiser for their organization. <laughs> like, it, yeah. it cost half a million dollars a year to produce. I have
1: not, I have not tried that in youth ministry, a monster house. <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, it was a huge haunted house. And I, uh, and it was for nine glorious nights. I got to scare the snot out of people in South Florida. It was it was For, awesome. for Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> for Jesus, right. And so I, uh. So I just went on, and uh, at the end of that, at the end of that, uh, I guess season for doing that, we put everything away, and then in December of that year, 1979, they had a thank you dinner for all the monsters and volunteers. So baked potatoes at the local high school, and I didn't know there was a program afterwards. So we ate dinner, and then I went over to the program, and it was your typical Protestant evangelistic rally. So I. Uh,
0: What is a typical evangelistic Protestant rally, just for those of us who don't know?
2: (laughs) Well, it's a a presentation. They took pictures of all the monsters. They had a massive slideshow of everybody playing in their roles. And so the kids got to see themselves. And then they brought in a speaker who basically did a probably 45-minute to an hour presentation on the Gospel of Christ and then an altar call. The funny part of the story is, is that he, as he did, now this was in the traditional old high school where, if you remember the old movie seats where, when you got up out of the seat, the seat part you know popped up right so that you could walk through the aisle, and um, so I'm there and he and the guy tells the story and I'm like you know this makes a whole lot of sense and I had this there was this youth minister evangelist kind of guy that had been working on me for six months along with my girlfriend and so. We've had conversations about God. We've had conversations. Basically, one of the key things from an evangelistic standpoint was is that he, he earned the right to be heard. Mm. He invested in me. He spent time coming to my practices. He, he took me out for a Coke. He, we had lunches, and we just talked and got to know each other long before he started turning the corner and asking me about who I thought Jesus was and all the rest of that. So, um, so when the time came for that conference that, that evening... I was ready. I'm like, this makes sense. So he said, let's pray. So the guy on stage prays, and he's a great storyteller, but he's notorious for praying too long. And he prayed for about 10 minutes. And in that 10 minutes, I had my elbows on my knees and my face in my hands, and I fell asleep. Wow. And and then he goes, well, if you pray prayed this prayer, <laughs> typical to Protestant, you know, thing, if you prayed this prayer, then I'd like you to stand up.
1: <laughs> mm. But you were sleeping?
2: And I was asleep, but what I heard was all those seats popping up like a massive popcorn. (laughs) And and it startled me awake, and as I woke up, I stood up. And I had no idea what I was doing. I looked down, and there's my girlfriend smiling like,
0: yes, yes. And I'm smiling. Yay. So you got safe, (laughs) and you didn't (laughs) even know (laughs) it.
2: That's great. Yeah. And then the guy on the stage says, "Well, if you're standing, we want you to work your way out in the back into the aisles and come backstage." While I'm standing, so ah, like a sheep, I'm just kind of following the crowd backstage, having no clue what I'm doing. And so I go back there, and a counselor guy comes and sits down and talks us through everything. And then he prays again. And this time, this time I stay awake, but this time I don't pay attention to the prayer. I just basically said, "Look, Jesus, here's the deal. The truth is, I don't really know you, but if you're real." I want you in my life. And That's he tested prayer. me right off the bat. The Spirit came and gave me a test because there was all, there were six of us in that group, and the guy got up and left and brought back a couple of tracts and you know, Protestant material and, and a New Testament. And he said, I've only got two sets of materials for the six of you, so whoever wants these now, take them now. And the rest <laughs> of you, if you want one, let me know. Well, one girl snatched one up, and so now there's one between me and four other people. And I'm sitting there thinking you know, if I'm serious about this relationship, I should reach out and take that packet. I should reach out and take that packet. I should reach out and take that. And then I heard, hey, and they got my attention. And I said, do you want it? And I looked down, and the packet was facing me, and on top of that packet was the New Testament. In 70s bubble letters, the title of that paperback New Testament was, Reach Out. So,
1: <laughs> yes. I looked.
2: I looked at that, and I'm like, Dude. Okay. Got it. So I took it. And the minute I walked through the doors, I felt the spirit come in the top of my head, go all the way down to my feet, and then right back up again in this massive like kind of experience. And I felt like two 100-pound sandbags were taken off my shoulders. Yep. And uh, from that point wow. on, I, I opened up that Bible. And I remember, I was a soccer jock. I barely cracked a book, just enough to get through high school. But I could not put the Word of God down. I couldn't put it
1: wow. down. I
0: was reading it like we crazy. Just need to, we just need to stop and take a praise break. Yeah. I just want to praise you, Holy Spirit, for breaking through and just filling Him with your presence. And Lord, if there's anyone here that doesn't, need, doesn't know you, I ask you that you would do the same thing in their life mm. uh, as they listen Amen. in Jesus' name.
1: Amen. Amen. Yeah. Amen. And that's normal. Like the presence of God just wants to fall on his people. <laughs> and so it's like, yeah, like after just after give him, give God like permission. Yeah. Just the Holy yeah. Spirit, you have permission in my life and in all of like, just give him permission. You have permission in my life to fall upon me in moments of need or whenever you want.
0: <laughs> yes. Amen. So keep, amen. Go, keep going, Ralph.
2: Well, so um, from that point on, the, the guy who was at youth minister evangelist guy, waited for about a week. And then he, he approached me and he said, Ralph, um, are you serious about this Jesus thing? And I said, well, heck yeah. Let me tell you what's been going on in my life this past week. And he said, well, if you're serious about this Jesus thing, then I want to invite you to become my disciple.
0: And I'm like, Wait, well, wait, I thought you were Jesus's disciple.
2: Hold on now. Hold on now.
0: Sorry. My bad. My bad, what, Ralph.
2: What does that mean? And he says, well, what I will do is I will walk with you for six months, and we'll meet every week, and I will give you homework, and I will give you things that I need you to do, and what I will do is train you to become a disciple of Jesus Christ.
0: Ah, uh-huh. that, that sounds And better. I said,
2: I'm in. And for the next six weeks, Ron, was his name, began to train me in the fundamental disciplines of the disciple of Christ. And he gave me homework, he walked with me, he challenged me to live the Word of God as opposed to just learn it, but to live it, Um, and he rocked my world. I mean, the Spirit used him to live out the model that Jesus gave us in the New Testament, right? He he invested his life in 12 men, he gave his heart to them, and he modeled for them what it meant to live the truth. Mm -hmm. And then Mm -hmm. he sent them on their way, and that's exactly what Ron did. So from that point on, I just began, I I knew I didn't want to go work in an office. I was this cradle Catholic who grew up in this formal, traditional faith, which I deeply loved, because after my conversion, you know, he invited me to his church and to look around, but every time I went to the other churches, someone was missing. Something was missing, and of course it was the Eucharist. And I didn't understand that yet. I just knew that the the celebration of Sunday liturgy was not full, was not complete. And so I I went back to my Catholic church. I started volunteering in the youth ministry, because that was my senior year of high school. So I graduated and and, uh, started working as a volunteer in my youth ministry, and then I started volunteering for for the the club that he ran. Um, And so for the first two years of college, I went to a, a junior college because... I was deeply invested in my faith at that point, and that was what I was really most focused on. Um, went away from there, and through his influence, ended up going to one of the premier evangelical Christian colleges in the country. I was the only Catholic on campus. Talk about God's divine plans. Hilarious. <laughs> Once a semester, I'd sit on my college dorm floor with the rest of my guys and my my dorm, and they would say, okay, let's go through this again. You're Catholic. I'm like, yes. And you're a Christian. I said, yes. And of course, (laughs) since, since I had grown up, so to speak, in this Protestant organization, I knew the terminology, and it was freaking them out. They said, well, how can you be Catholic and be a Christian? And I said, because I have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And they're at me like, how the heck can you do that? I'm like, it's the same Jesus.
0: <laughs> no. And
2: they're, they're like, what is going on? So anyway, I finished my last two years, majored in Scripture, and then came back and started working in Youth for Christ uh, campus life. For the next two years, I worked with them as a missionary, reaching out to unchurched high school kids.
1: Deacon, were you going and to Mass in, during this time frame? Of course. So you were, like, practicing yeah. practicing Catholic through and through. Yeah. Awesome.
2: Yeah. Yeah, but but God put me at that other university for a lot of different reasons, just um, in terms of the journey and how he was going to use me and, and what he was going to train me for. Um, because I, as I went through the training, I, I mean, I still use, as a Catholic evangelist, I still use 90% of the content I was trained with in Youth for Christ.
0: I mean, it's Yeah, because the, um, they brought you to that initial conversion, right?
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. It helped me understand, you know, that our faith is more than just jumping through church hoops, which is what I thought, which is what I had been doing, and why I left the church because it didn't mean anything to me. Yep. But yep. Finally, they connected the dots and helped me realize this is all about a love relationship with the living God that I'm supposed to have now, not after I die, but now. And then when I walk with Him in the power of the Spirit. So as I, as I was working before I went to university, I was told you I was volunteering in my home parish, and when I was volunteering in my home parish. Um, the charismatic renewal was very strong in my parish, and so uh, I worked as a leader in my youth group. And they prayed over me the first kind of like boot camp training retreat before the beginning of the school year. And um, and as they laid hands on me, I I was I rested in the Spirit, which means I fell back, and the Holy Spirit just totally overcame me again. And um, he gave me a prophetic word that my girlfriend at that time. Wanted to start dating someone else, and I needed to let her go. I came back what? from that
0: weekend retreat,
2: flying. Was that high. was that
0: upbuilding, encouraging, and consoling?
2: Hold on, <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> so, so I come back from that retreat, high as a kite, because I'm just, you know, I'm just now I have this even more um, uh, powerful relationship with the Holy Spirit through the baptism of the Spirit, and I get back and I talk to my girlfriend and I said, Hey, how was your weekend? Good. Did you get to do anything? I knew you had to work. Well, I did go to the beach. Well, when did you go? I thought you had to work on Saturday. She goes, I went Saturday morning for um, sunrise. I'm like, with who? And it was a guy from work, Ian. And she goes, How did you know? And I said, I didn't. But the Lord told me you wanted to start dating someone. Is he the guy? She says, Yeah. So I let her go. <laughs> and uh, Wow. Of course, huh. of course, two weeks later, two weeks later, all the pain starts coming in um, of losing her, but, uh, it, it eventually worked out at the end. I married her when we got out of college. So,
0: <laughs> that was so good. I had no idea that was coming. All right. I didn't either. Yeah, that was a good setup. Th- th- this, set this is like, this is such a high level, um, episode. Don't, don't turn the channel. Keep going. Ralph. This is awesome. So what, what, what happened? What happened next then? See, so you married her. Um, how did you get involved in ministry?
2: So I, I married, I graduated from college, married her, and started working with Youth for Christ for two years, and made a vow. Never, you should never really make vows, but I made a vow to God that I would never work for the Catholic Church, And uh, because I was just so frustrated with what, with what we were doing with just our going through the motions and playing church kind of stuff. And, uh, well, six months later, guess what? God called me to go become the youth minister at my home parish. <laughs> so take, for the next eight years. Ear, yeah. I I am the youth minister of my home parish, uh, which is, has about a youth group size of about two hundred and fifty kids. So again, just more growing, uh, more learning how to connect kids to the Lord and and uh invest in them and create leaders out of them and um and then I moved from Miami to Raleigh, North Carolina and started working in youth ministry there, and then transitioned to the Director of Faith Formation at another parish. Uh, and in the midst of that journey there, the, the, the 13 years in Raleigh, the Lord called me to the Permanent Diaconate, and I was ordained to the Permanent Diaconate in '04. And a year and a half later, the Lord, while taking my daughter to school at Franciscan University in Steubenville, Ohio, told my wife and I separately, it's time to move, Wow. So we we said okay. So I'm, we're getting ready to drive home after that and and I said, "Honey, are you hearing God say it's time to move." And she said, "Yeah." So we had 8-hour drive home from from Ohio to to uh, Raleigh and we just the Lord said be be prepared to move by next summer and tell your parish that you're leaving now and your pastor. So we did all that and about a month and a half after that, I'm praying before the Lord and and uh, of course, I still don't know where we're moving to, and I don't know what what I'm doing, what work I'm doing. And so finally, I'm sitting before the blessed sacrament in adoration, and I said, "Lord, I did what you told me to do. You're going to tell me where we're going and what I'm doing." <laughs> and then He just said, "What have I been training you to do for the past 25 years?" And I'm like, and then He took me through my entire history. He took me through my conversion. He took me through the youth for Christ days, the, going to. Uh, to Taylor University, to everything, and all my youth ministry experience, and then he unfolded the, the vision for new evangelization ministries. So I had, uh, so basically we sold our house. My wife had no job. I had three speaking engagements, and we just packed up and moved to Raleigh, I mean to Steubenville, and. Uh, before I left, I had done, I think it was Pentecost, I had announced, I just did a massive email blast to everybody in my email list, and and said that I'm, I was launching New Evangelization Ministries, I started a 501c3, um, and then people just started randomly sending checks, and between the checks that I got from people, and um, and then my parish gave us a going-away party, and the, the guy in charge of the party, praise be to God, wisely was advising people. And they were saying, "Well, what do we give Ralph and Susan? as a going late gift?" He says, "Well, for God's sakes, don't give them more stuff. They got to put on a U-Haul and haul it.
1: Let's
2: just put a let's put a basket there, and we'll just and we'll give them. You know, we'll give them money."
0: I always so, say that you can you can tell how much a person loves you by how much money they give you. What? <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. Wow. So you got you got blessed.
2: <laughs> yeah. So God gave us some seed money. And uh, the seed money basically kept going uh, while I was in ministry up here. And again, I, Susan had no job for the first six months. So we basically worked on my house. My parents had lived with me in Raleigh, and we were moving up. So I had to. I basically took the, the time that I had. I said, Lord, what do you want me to do with this time? I mean, how am I going to... Now, God gave me some very clear directives that I, that I had to do in this mid-vision. One of them was I could no longer charge fees for any speaking. Two, I could do no major fundraising. And three, I could do no major publicity.
1: (laughs) Awesome, sounds like Mother Teresa.
2: I know, right? (laughs) So, so, but but sure enough, in the leaving, he he gave me forty thousand seed money. Wow! So now, a year. So that was July. We moved up, and then a year, the not the next, the very next Christmas, but the following December, I was. uh, We were down to our last amount of money in that account. Um, a quick story, if I've got time. I was in Buffalo, New York, um, doing a retreat, and a whole weekend, right? So like seven talks. And um, of course, I don't charge fees, so I just get, I just take whatever they give me. So I, I came home with a check for the entire weekend for three hundred bucks. My wife was doing the bills, and she goes, "We can't do this. We can't live by this. You know, this is crazy." And I said, "Susan, does God know everything? Yes. Then He knew how much we were going to get." So we just have to trust and know that he's taking care of everything because he knows everything that we need. And I was on that retreat and I talked to this one guy who was just really getting convicted by the Spirit and I had no idea the details of his life. He didn't, he just said, Deacon, you don't understand. I owe God a lot of money. And I'm like, well, you, you know, here's what you need to do. You just draw close to the Holy Spirit and get to, get to the point where you can learn and trust him and listen to him and do what he says and he'll take care of the rest. And, yes. um, so he says, okay. Well, that December, Now this is like right. This was like nine months later. That December, we're down to our last amount of money in the bank of that forty thousand seed money. And uh, the Lord and Susan goes, "Ralph, we've only got enough for one more paycheck. That's not even enough for Christmas gifts or anything." And I said, "Well, let's just put a little bit on credit card. Which is, you know, by that point we had learned not to live on credit, but to live to pay off our bills at the end of the month, the credit card bills." So we had zero balances, but we put a little bit on and trusting that God was going to take care of it. So we just did a very simple Christmas, a streamlined Christmas. And uh, the 23rd of December, I got a a letter in the mail from that guy on the retreat who was just so conflicted. And he says, Deacon, I told you I owe God a lot of money, and you told me to draw close to him and listen to what he said and do what he said. So he told me to give you this. And he said, the second half is coming after the new year, and it was a check for $5,000. (laughs)
0: Yeah, <laughs> provision. Praise you, Jesus. Thank
1: you, Jesus. Yeah.
2: yeah. So I start crying, and the Lord, I said, uh, the Lord just quietly says, do you believe me now when I tell you I'm prepared to take care of all your needs? Mm. And I'm in the midst of my tears going, yes, Lord. And he says, will you trust me now with what's really most important? I'm like, yes, Lord. But just a point of clarification. I thought the money was really important.
0: <laughs> the
2: money money means nothing to me. He says, you have more in your heart that you are afraid to let me have control over than money. And so from that point on, December 3rd, another check for 5000 came, and then from that point on, all the speaking engagements started to pick up, and now I'm booked out about a year in advance, and, and I got more work than, you know, I have to turn it away or push it farther down the road just because uh, and, you know, the, the funny thing is that I've been working really hard not to lead my ministry. I've been not trying to build it, not to, you know, if it's going to be built, it's going to be built because the Master built it, not because I did something creative or because of my so gifts good. or talents, because I certainly don't know how to run a business. <laughs> Praise, to so God.
1: <laughs> Praise the Lord. Deacon, when, when did you become a deacon? Was this before you got to Steubenville, while you were in Steubenville?
2: Before. So I, about a, month, a year and a half later after ordination... Uh, I walked into my new bishop's office and it was a new meet and greet. Hi, can I go? And, uh, he didn't want me to go. He was, he was actually kind of upset that I had said I, I want to go. Uh, but because of, you know, permanent deacons are not like priests, we're, we're not, we're an, a volunteer ordained ministry, which means we, um, have a, our own source of employment and income, uh, and, So therefore, if our job transfers us someplace else, the bishop can't reject us going because he's not paying a salary. You know, it's not like the priests where they're giving them, you know, health insurance, a place to live, and, you know, a a modest salary.
1: Um, (laughs) Well, neither was this new job you were taking.
2: (laughs) Yeah, right,
1: right. (laughs) But, yeah, that's great.
2: So I was ordained about a month, a year and a half before, and so that just opened up even more doors, my ordination, because now I do a lot of parish missions. And uh, so it enables me the opportunity to come in and preach the weekend homilies first and then do a mission based on what the parish is looking for.
1: Can you maybe share why you chose to um, pursue the permanent diaconate as opposed to just following in lay ministry?
2: Yeah, it's easy. Um, I I think at one point when I was younger, I had thought about the priesthood, but I, of course, had met my wife so young, we were high school sweethearts, that... Um, that I just knew that that wasn't the call for me. But it was during... Um, I was coming out of an addiction to pornography, and I began to be a daily communicant, going to Mass every day. And, and this is in Raleigh, and where I was really in the heat of the battle and coming out of that. And it was at Mass where I, at the time of the consecration, for two solid weeks, I just kept hearing, at the elevation, when the priest would elevate the host, I kept hearing, come be my deacon. It was like... for. Literally two weeks solid every day. And finally after the two weeks I'm like, Lord, you keep calling me to be your deacon, but there's no diaconate program in our diocese. <laughs> uh, they had never established <laughs> one.
1: That's well, awesome. six months
2: later six months later they announced they're gonna start the deaconate program. That's and so amazing. I was about I was about hundred and or maybe two hundred and ten guys that applied that first time around, of which they selected forty to be aspirants, you know, to, to scope things out and then from that forty called fourteen of us to to go into the first class. That's awesome. So I literally am a first class deacon, just to make sure we're clear on that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Got it. Okay. Now that's what I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> we have like we have like seven minutes left before we have to go to break. I want to hear stories of like the transformation you're seeing through New Evangelization Ministries. Well,
2: uh, it's amazing to see what happens when I, when I go someplace and um, give testimony to what God is doing in my life and what, you know, in, along mixed with the gospel message. And that's really from an evangelistic standpoint in the world. The world wants to know from us is how do you know that Jesus is real? Not only tell me about what happened 2,000 years ago, but how do you know he's real today? Because your story says he ascended to the right hand of the Father, so where is he? And so I would share, along with the Gospel message, the stories of my life and how He has healed me and how He has freed me from my addiction to porn after an 11-year battle. And and so as I started doing, sharing those pieces of the puzzle, like it says in, in Revelations, um, it says that we're going to overcome the kingdom of Satan by the blood of the Lamb and the testimony of the saints. And so... Um, through the mixture of the testimony and going through and working with people and walking the journey, I I get constantly get these notes from people who are saying, you know, thank you so much, you have shown me how to open my heart to God. Uh, I never knew that. I remember walking one time, I was doing a a, uh, men's retreat in upstate New York, and it's Sunday morning, and about five or six of, of us guys are woken up, and we're downstairs in the kitchen of this huge mansion right on this gorgeous lake. And uh, this guy named Jack walks into the kitchen, and his face is puffy, and tears are just flowing down from his eyes. And uh, I and I said, he comes up, I says, Deacon Ralph, and I said, Yes, yeah, says I'm Jack. I said, Hi, Jack. And he says, I I just want you to know that uh, I am 72 years old, and uh, I've been praying, I've been going to daily mass for 40 years, every day, nonstop. I've never failed. I'm like, praise be to God, Jack. God is awesome. He holds up his hand like I'm I'm not done yet. And he says, I want you to know, in that 40 years, I've also been praying a daily rosary every day. And uh, I'm like, wow, that's I'm just I'm impressed. I wish I could do that. And um, he says, but I want you to know, Deacon, that I, despite doing the rosary and going to mass every day, I never knew you could encounter the love of God like I began to experience last night after your talk. I have been up all night crying, just receiving the love of my father. And I never had that in these 40 years of a rosary. I never knew I could be this close to God.
1: Wow. And he was just,
2: he was crying. <laughs> that's awesome. Crying that, like a baby.
1: Amen. No,
0: and, and, and that's that's a good reminder that, um you know, a big part of the new evangelization is bringing cradle Catholics that know about you know, God knew about Jesus, know about the new covenant to actually knowing in a person, a personal encounter with Christ that, that shifts everything. So like, if you're hearing this and you're like, I want to be part of the solution. Well, you really don't have to look too much further than your own parish, right? Amen. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Amen. Um, yeah. So wh- how can our listeners like, uh, learn more about your ministry, what you're doing?
2: Well, my website is NEM, N-E-M, so just go, to, you know, and then training, not .com, not .org, it's just NEM.training, it's a new, they're adding more to comms and orgs and all that kind of stuff, so NEM.training, and that's the way you can look on, see your calendar, our work, if you are, one of the things that I do solicit, I have about 350 prayer warriors that work with me on a consistent basis. And so everywhere I go, I've got 350 people praying for the groups of people that I'm ministering to uh, and praying for me, praying for cover, because there's a tremendous amount of battle that's going on, and I, it's become clear that the battle is won in the prayer. So I solicit prayer warriors. So you can come in and sign nice. up as a prayer warrior, and you'll get reports every week and what's going on. And sometimes you'll get impromptu stuff, Where if I'm going someplace and I need some extra help, like a couple of weeks ago, I landed in a church that was right smack down in the middle of a valley surrounded by one of the strong, uh, the most uh, active towns of witchcraft taking place. Mm-hmm. And you could just see the Lord placing this church in the middle of this valley Um as a, a stopgap against the evil that's rising up in this whole region. Uh, profound. And I needed wow. prayer support. So that's a great way to see what we do. We offer a lot of different services. Um, and uh, But we're really beginning to start move towards the preparation for what the Church is going to need, and that's the average pew person to be in the ranks um, learning how to do personal evangelization. So we're going to be rolling that out probably within the next couple of years. Um, and we so be able to do some virtual training and some things like that. So we're really excited about that.
0: Deacon, we've are got to take a break, but before we get a break, can you, can you just pray for our audience listening right now?
2: Absolutely. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Heavenly Amen. Father, we just cry out to you this day, and just in the name of your Son, Jesus, ask you to send your Holy Spirit to guide each and every one of us this day, that you, we would be directed by His promptings, that He would show us with the light of his love, the blocks in our hearts, the impediments that do not allow us the freedom to walk in your life and your truth, uh, that we might begin to walk in that light and truth this day in freedom, freedom to love you, freedom to love others around us and care for them. We ask all these things through the intercession of Our Lady. In Jesus' name
0: we pray.
1: Amen.
0: Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. You're listening to Encounter. Encounter is a co-production of St. Gabriel Radio. EWTN Radio, and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. We're going to take a break, but we'll be right back.
1: Hey guys, this is Dan Dimitri from Encounter Radio. Listen, we all know there's a crisis in our faith. Youth are falling away from the Catholic Church faster than ever before. They are disengaged and lack passion. In order to bring revival to the Catholic Church in America, myself and others have started the country's fastest growing Catholic camp called Catholic Youth Summer Camp. We offer week-long residential camps for middle school and high school age students that foster a high adventure faith, a faith that is deep, contagious, and joy-filled. Your kids will have a blast paintballing and ziplining. They will get to grow in confidence and bravery on our High Ropes course. But more importantly, they will find themselves in a truly Catholic environment with daily catechesis that awakens faith and empowers them to live life in the Holy Spirit. Your children will come home from camp having encountered the love of Jesus and excited to go to Mass in adoration. This summer, invest in your child's faith development. Camp will sell out, so register today at CYSC.com. That's CYSC.com.
0: Hello, welcome back to Encounter, the show that brings you the life-changing encounters of ordinary people that launch them into lives of extraordinary mission Dan, we just had an amazing time with Deacon Ralph. What do you think?
1: Oh yeah, no, his his, his story was uh, just profound and and beautiful, and I loved the um, just the trends within his life of just having that relationship with the Lord in prayer, where he just spoke so freely of like, um, and then God said this, and then the Lord said this, and just kind of uh, as opposed to him leading his life, he allowed the the Holy Spirit. Uh, and, and the voice of the Father through prayer to lead and direct his life.
0: Let, let, let's talk about that. I want to talk about two things. Number one, uh, how we hear the voice of God. Yep. And then num- number two, like um, discernment, okay? Because um, I, I've heard so many talks, and I think I might be guilty of this, but I'll, I'll, I'll be like, yeah, and then the Lord told me this, and then he said that, and then I said, oh, but God, this. And and, and it sounds like I'm having a audible conversation with God in some crazy theophany, like down in the <laughs> yeah, Bible. Yeah, yeah. I I'm just listeners I want to let you know that that's not how God it's not an audible voice thing um the way that uh Ralph was hearing God is the same way that you and I hear God it's in our spirit and with through our spiritual senses and with discernment and like yeah we're wired to hear God's voice we talk a lot about how we're we're the sheep we're the sheep he's the shepherd we hear his voice um but you know it it's it's not something that's so quick and automatic these are movements that are discerned and I love, too, um, how his wife was involved in that, that they were praying together about that move. I mean, Dan, how, do you think it's important? Like, how important is our big life decisions to bring your spouse into?
1: <laughs> well, I mean, honestly, I think it's before before we're married, we're sons and daughters, right? And so the, what was neat about that, that testimony was that they were each hearing the father's voice, and then they brought that to one another. and um and the father speaks in one voice right and so if we're both praying and we both have a a real living relationship with the father the father's not going to say one thing uh to the husband and another like contrary thing to the to the wife right like uh that there's there's real leadership with with the father that he leads us as his sheep and as husbands and wives what we're doing is we're we're going to the father in prayer together, but also separate and allowing the Lord to speak to us and then, and then sharing what God's, how God's speaking to us as individuals. So good. Yeah. And I think, you um, know, Patrick, I think it's so important too, like the deacon kind of took it as a, um, as an under like just in his testimony he's like and then God said this and then God said that and that it's understood that God speaks to us right and and I just want our listeners to really like know that the Lord speaks to you the father speaks to his children no father that loves his children would ever not speak to his children that's like that would be heinous if a father didn't speak to his children you would say that's a very very bad father a good father speaks to his children and we have a good father in heaven and so if you need something, if you need direction, if you need guidance, I mean, just make yourself a child again, right? And like a child uh, discerning anything is going to go to their father and ask them for for insight and input and the father will lead you and he'll guide you. And we have to have that as an expectation. It's not Mm -hmm. out of the ordinary. It's standard. It's standard sonship. It's standard daughtership. The father will guide us in our life and and um, the more time we spend with Him, and the more um, intimacy we have with Him, the easier His voice becomes to hear, you know? So, like, prayer mm-hmm. isn't simply about um, going into these memorized forms, uh, and, and and it's not simply about the duty, it's about prayer is, is, is relationality, it's, it's, it's unity with the Father's heart well, and His voice.
0: Yeah, and Dan, if it's not, then you're just working out in the field, when you could be having a party in the father's house, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's just true. Like, I mean, what? How else? What, what? How else can you make sense out of the fact that a seventy-something-year-old man is, um, you know, spending time going to doing everything, like going to mass, praying the rosary every day, but he's never encountered the love of God? I mean, working so hard in this spirit, and then if you don't have that relationality, you're just working in the field. And um I I think like that's what the church is saying. We need to like wake up. We're not older brothers. We are beloved sons and daughters. And any other identity um that is anything more than that is, is is a false identity.
1: Amen to that. Yeah, and I just yeah, if there's I just if there's listeners out there who have um don't feel like you have intimacy with the father um and feel like you've been living your faith out of duty, I mean there is there's an aspect of religion, which is, uh, it's the virtue of justice towards God, giving God what he is due. So there is really a duty that's associated with religion. Um, but the value uh, uh, of our baptism is that we're sons and daughters of the Lord. And so in the midst of the duty, there's there's the relationship and and it just is exhausting without the relationship. So I just want to invite our listeners and right, like, Lord, just if they, there hasn't been that sense of intimacy and love and relationship, and if the, your voice has been um, hidden from them for, for whatever reason, I just break that in Jesus' name. I just pray that your voice would become clear, that their hearts would be open, that they would receive you, uh, and that as Deacon Ralph shared, that your Holy Spirit, your presence would fall upon them uh, at all times in their life, that they would encounter you, Lord, closely, intimately, that they know you. Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: Amen. So good. Um, I also loved one of the things I loved about his testimony was how um God used, you know, the um Protestant world, you know, even through monster Halloween stuff. Like God used <laughs> that. To draw
1: Dude, that is a He's wild. Like, yeah, I'm like, That's what, wild. <laughs> what
0: is uh what is a normal Protestant rally like? It's like, well, they got all the monsters together, and I'm like, oh, great. <laughs> Pastures are a part of ordinary (laughs)
1: stuff. When I was a kid, I I went to a a haunted house. My mom didn't like me going to haunted houses because she's like, those are demonic. And uh, so... So I went to a Christian haunted house and it was called Hell Stop and like they took you through like hell like so the first scene you're like die in a car accident and then like you're in judgment before like the father and then you end up in hell and then afterwards you go through this door and you you answer like am I going to heaven hell or uh or question mark and if you go to through the hell door you go into prayer ministry if you go through the heaven door uh, no, if you go through a question mark, you go into prayer ministry. If you go through the heaven door, you just go straight out to the parking lot. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Can we? Uh, so, Dan, do you do you think we should have this in the church? Should we have should we have Catholic haunted houses? Cat- Catholic it, hell know, stuff. You know, actually, you know what? I'm going to go out on the limb. I think we should because Dante's Inferno was Catholic, right? Yep. And he went through hell and then purgatory and then to heaven, right? <laughs> So we could do like like de- Catholic Dante Inferno, um, yes. Well, you know,
1: and I, 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 we're joking around about this, but it was really neat that they, you know, take take what is of the world and make it. For the Lord, right? And like that was an amazing opportunity for me as a oh, high schooler I mean, that didn't really know Jesus. All of a sudden I'm being prayed over for the first time in my life by someone um who Oh you went through the question mark door? I went through the question mark You're door, yeah. Week, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, <was. laughs> I at that point in my life I wasn't really uh I was arguably living in mortal sin. So
0: <laughs> So here's my question. Did you get saved?
1: Uh, they, it wasn't. It was. They weren't aiming for sit, going through the stay, fall asleep and stand up because you've been saved type talk. <laughs> it was just, hey, we're, we're going to talk to you about Jesus and pray over you. Okay,
0: and I, so I have a challenge to Damascus Catholic Mission Campus. Mm. I want to hear a, a Dante Catholic Inferno haunted house,
1: <laughs> and I want to be crazy. All right, all right. Give us a few years. We'll come up with something. Actually, no. Yeah, we, and- I did do this as a, in a Catholic context one time. It was. Uh, we called it the Martyrs' Walk, and we had martyrs lined up. And so we dressed up, uh, like core members as like martyrs. And it was pretty, it was neat, like, bleh, like gore. And then you would get to their martyrdom place, and then you would read the testimony of, of that saint and how they were martyred. It was our own little, uh, haunted house.
0: That's hilarious. As long as our, our good friend, um, Aaron can be the guide that takes you through heaven, hell, and purgatory, or hell, and purgatory, and in heaven. Yes.
1: Well, we have completely gotten off track. Uh, and no, no,
0: <laughs> it is I'm good
1: here. We have two minutes left, Patrick. How do you want to close today?
0: Shoot. Um, I think either we go to heaven or we have question mark. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we should pray. What do you think?
1: Let's do it. I want more. Right. I just want yeah, yeah. I want the Holy Spirit to fall.
0: Yeah, so Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we love you, we praise you, we adore you, we thank you for uh just pouring out your presence for just immersing uh Deacon Ralph in, in your in your Holy Spirit. So, um Lord, I just say if you haven't chosen Jesus, just say Jesus. I choose you. I want to know you and I want to be I want to know the inheritance that you
1: have for me. Look at Jesus. Yeah, Lord, I just pray that right now you would just uh, cause a, just a stirring up and a renewal of the baptismal grace that we receive when we are baptized. Lord, I just pray that the Holy Spirit would be renewed and stored up in all of our listeners and that your presence would fall upon them. I pray that they would become sons and daughters, that that sonship, that daughtership would just be renewed and restored in their daily lives, that they would hear you and live life with you as their dad. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Amen. Thank you for joining us on Encounter. Encounter is a co-production of EWTN Radio, St. Gabriel Catholic Radio, and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. To learn more about Dan or myself, you can go to EncounterRadio.org. If you want to hear past shows, check out this show, or find our iTunes podcast, you can go to EncounterRadio.org. And if you want to share your life-changing encounter of how God's transformed you and launched you into your mission— you can go to encounterradio.org as well and submit that to us. Um, We hope that you guys have an amazing, blessed day and that you live out every encounter that God's prepared for you today. Thank you so much for joining us and have a blessed day.